I sure would like to welcome all of you here to our services this morning. If you're visiting, you are absolutely welcome and honored guest of ours. And I want to say as well, for those who are interested, um, when I asked at the beginning of this quarter, which happened um, the first of, of March, I asked how many uh, in this class had ever been in a group-wide congregational study on the Holy Spirit. And only four of approximately 50 that are in the Bible class answered affirmatively. And so if you're here and you've not studied about the Holy Spirit, I'd welcome you to join us. It is every Sunday morning at 9 a.m. And so please, if you um, would like to do that, by all means, be welcome to, to continue that study. We are looking at lessons that hopefully will look into our hearts, see uh, a view that we have of God's Word that hopefully is in line with Scripture, done by faith. When Julie asked me what my sermon was going to be, the title is a title I've used twice before, if everyone were like me. And in fact, it was, I think, in January, um, after we moved here, that I gave this sermon with this title. Not this sermon, but the title itself. And I had done it once before in Georgia as well. But you know, as you grow in the Lord, you look at some of the things that you have preached, um, at least I do, and I'm going, why? Why did I say that? There were good points in that sermon. I think, you know, healthy points about the influences that we have upon each other, the examples that we can be to one another. And we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the Apostle Paul saying, imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we, we see the need to influence one another in a positive way. And so in that particular sermon, we looked at how we influence our family members, how we influence those within the body of Christ, and how we influence those who are in this world. Whether from a standpoint of our prayer life, our studies... Uh, maybe it's the worship setting that we have or sharing the gospel. All of those influences are very valid. But over the years, what I've begun to really see is where there's a shift upon us and a shift to Christ. In other words, as I read just about every single page, particularly in the New Testament, and when I look at the entire theme of the Bible, everything is pointing to Christ, doesn't it not? And even the song that Dan just led for us, the last stanza is along the lines, you know, I have nothing to boast of. This salvation that I have, if anything, I boast in Christ. And we just read in Colossians chapter 1, and I want to reread what Max just read for us because it is so important to this lesson that we get this picture in light of this phrase, if everyone were like me, because there's no doubt in my mind, at some point in your life, you would think or have thought, you know, if everyone were like me, and you just fill in the blank, we've done it. You know, we would worship better, we would do this better, we would do that better, whatever our strength is, we would do better and yet, here's the Apostle Paul, godly, godly man, and here's what he says again. Speaking of Jesus Christ, in Colossians 1 verse 15, He, Jesus Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Just like Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 following. He is the firstborn over all creation. 
For by him, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him, all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may receive or have the preeminence. There are individuals in scriptures that wanted the preeminence. We talked about King Saul. He was one of them. There's a man by the name of Diotrephes who wanted the preeminence among men. But the preeminence belongs to Jesus Christ. And so when we're looking at this concept of if everyone were like me, there's some facts that we have to look at. We're going to look at only two facts that lets us know where we stand before our God and, by the way, where we stand with one another. For instance, fact number one, nobody's like me. (laughs) That's obvious, right? And some of you are grateful for that. (laughs) No one's like me, no one's like you. And I might say sometimes the same thing. (laughs) I'm glad you're the only one. I've heard it said, the world cannot handle more than one Mitch. I've heard that said many times in the past. Um, And I've I've heard it said of some others here too. (laughs) But we're all different. We all have our own strengths and we all have our own weaknesses. And when we look at our own strengths, every one of us is different. And when we look, as we continue in our study on the Holy Spirit, in the body of Christ, the Holy Spirit gives to each one, according to a certain measure, a particular gift. Everyone has their own ability. They have their own function. And when we look at that, we can see passages like, well, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. I was going to use Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians 12 as well. But we have passages that tell us how uniquely different we are as individuals, whether we talk about physically our features that make us individually different, like our thumbprints and so on and so forth, or maybe within the body of Christ. The fact that we can look at our talents, and every one of us, when we take all of a collective talents, how amazing a body that we have with its unique abilities and what have you. And yet, we also see that while we all struggle with sin, the sins that we have are uniquely different from one another from a circumstantial difference. I mean, y'all don't live my life. You don't have my weaknesses. And so the things that I might struggle with, you have maybe no struggle with, with regard to your weaknesses or your sins that you have to deal with, and vice versa. And so we we know Romans 3 verse 23 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We all sin, but we may be unique in how we go through, how we even handle sins, how we handle weaknesses. We're uniquely different. And so... Not everyone is like me from that standpoint. Everyone is like me in that we all sin. Everyone is like me that God gives us various gifts and abilities, but they're all distinctly different from one another when we get down to facts. The second fact is that if everyone were like me, there'd be no such thing as a body. Right? Not everyone can be the eye or the mouth or the head or the ear, whatever part of the body you want to glorify but when we take the totality of us that's what makes the body of christ the body of christ that's what makes the body itself the body because every part has its own abilities it has its own functions and so obviously if everyone were like me 
from a humanistic standpoint, the world would be a very boring place. But biblically speaking, if everyone were like me, there would be nobody. There'd be no one to encourage because, well, guess what? I'm doing everything the right way. <laughs> from your vantage point, you might say, well, Mitch, I see some weaknesses in this area. I see some areas that you could grow in. But if, if I'm the only one that makes up the body, and you're the only one that makes up the body as far as your world is concerned, you don't have to do anything. It's all good. With these two facts in mind, I want you to look at what the main point is. And that's why we had Colossians 1, verses 15 through 18. If we focus on if everyone is like me, we miss the main picture, and that is Jesus Christ. Isn't that our goal? Our goal is not for us to necessarily um, be better, although that's a benefit, to be better, to grow more. Our goal is to be Christ and to be like Him. We're told in Scripture to put on Christ. Right? Not be a better be a better Mitch, be a better Julie, be a better Gordon. It's to put on Christ. So we're told in Galatians chapter 3, as many of us have been baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Well, what does that mean to put on Christ? Well, what it looks like, it means that we follow Him. We follow His teachings. We learn to, to be that image that He is of the Father. As Hebrews 1 tells us, He is the express image Right? Verses 2 and 3. He's the express image of God. He is the character of God in the flesh. Well, that's what we are supposed to represent if we're to be Christ followers. So that when people look at our lives, they don't see Mitch. They see Christ. Right? When you hear a sermon, is it for you to go, wow, that is a really great speaker? Or is it, thank you, Lord, for that message? Which is it supposed to be? We know it's supposed to be the latter. If it's all about the message, guess what? I get my big head, which is easy to do. And you and I miss the picture. We start glorifying in man. And we start wanting to be like that person. And it's one thing to be an example for one another. It's another thing to be the pattern for one another. And our preeminence is not in man. It's not in each other. We know this, but we have to be reminded of these things when we have statements like, well, if everyone did things like me, if everyone were like me, and so on and so forth, we're told to follow after Christ. In fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 4, look at what Paul says there. Open your Bibles to the text there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, Paul says in verse 14, I don't write these things to shame you with regard to all their divisiveness, their, their ways of the flesh. I don't write these things to shame you, but as my beloved children, I warn you. For though you might have 10,000 instructors in Christ, yet you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I have begotten you through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you, imitate me. Here's the same person who just earlier said, some of you say that you are of Paul or Apollos or of Christ. He said, is Christ divided? Christ is one. And the preeminence was not in Paul or Apollos, but Christ. And what he is saying, follow my example, because guess what? I'm teaching you that Christ is your head, and that's who you follow. That's what he goes on to say, in chapter 11, verse 1. 
And he makes that known again in 2 Corinthians 4 as well as 2 Corinthians chapter 5. That everything is pointing to Jesus Christ. That's the main point. Otherwise we miss it. And so if we are in fact following after Christ, here's what we look like. You become a sweet-smelling aroma. That's what the Apostle Paul says of those who are in him. And he's speaking of himself and the other apostles as they're going out, and, and I could say even more generally of his disciples, and it's no different today than of the first century, that when we follow after him, when we put on Christ, we're clothed with him or in him, and we follow after his ways, then we become an aroma. To those who are longing for life, it's an aroma of life. And to those who would reject Jesus Christ, our aroma is an aroma of death to them. But we become an aroma. And to God, a sweet-smelling aroma. That's the influence, side effect, if you will, of following Christ and having Christ as preeminent in our lives. Think about that. When your focus is not on you, but on serving your master, on the king of kings, think about what influence you actually have. Because remember, again, in our study on the Holy Spirit, we're told in Acts chapter 2, which we'll get into in a, maybe a week or two from now, not, maybe two or three weeks from now. When we look at passages like Acts chapter 2, and we have a promise that says, you know, he um, who is supposed to repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, you will receive the gift of God's Spirit. <laughs> Or you will receive God's spirit as your gift. That means you have within you the power of God to change lives. Not because of who you are, but because of who is in you. And in you, you have this ability to be this sweet-smelling aroma that lets the world know something different about you. When people can say, why is it, you know, when, when they see a change in your life and they see you giving glory to God and everything, why is it that you're this way? You give them that hope that is found in you that they can have. And you can reason with them through Scripture. You can talk to them by way of your lifestyle because your lifestyle is not about you. It's about the one you serve. And that's exactly what we see in Scripture all the time when it's not about them but about their God. They'll do that. And that's what we see. You can be that kind of influence in your family. Um, yesterday, there was a brother in Christ. Um, he does jiu-jitsu as well. I got to meet him when I was holding a meeting up in Indiana. He's also a graphics designer. Um, works for Splenda or the Splenda brand. And... and um, he was coming to visit us, talk some, some business-related things. Um, and as we were talking, he was mentioning uh, something about one of the sisters in the congregation that would bring, I think she has like five or six children. She comes all by herself, um, teenagers on down. And I remember us specifically praying for her husband that would at times refuse to her to come to worship God. And I said, rather than having angst against him because he would not allow his wife to come, pray for him, love on him. Be that sweet-smelling aroma of Christ. So I was given the update yesterday. He comes and starts worshiping with the brethren 
And now at times when his wife, for whatever the reason is, she is not able to come, he still comes and brings his children. What an amazing influence that the people of God, by being that sweet-smelling aroma of Christ, can be. That's the emanating influence that we have upon one another in the body of Christ, within our families, as well as with people who are in this world that need him. But when the church is all about us and look at what we do and look at how we do it and everything is look and point and it's all like this way, we miss the picture. We miss the point because now we are becoming preeminent among one another. Now we can understand why Paul says what he says when he says, imitate me. It's not imitate me because look at how good I am. He says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That's the reason why he said that. He's a follower of Christ. Not perfect, but perfected through the blood. And one who loved him with all his heart, soul, and mind and gave his life. Sacrificed his will for the Father's will, for the King's will. That's what we see as a great influence that we have. So I'm going to leave this, this scripture with you in Colossians 1.18 as we look at this. That we would take a back seat. In other words, not about us. And, and I hear it. And I hear it in speakers. I hear it in gospel preachers. I hear it among elders at times. I hear it among Bible class teachers at times. I hear it just among Christians. It's as if they're the end all. And shame on us when that happens to us. And we ought to love each other enough to rebuke each other when we see that in our lives. Because then we're able to point to the one who has all preeminence, just as Colossians 1.18 says. This is who we're singing to or singing about when we sing about our Heavenly Father or about our Savior, Jesus Christ. And when we encourage one another to come to the Lord, as right now we have this invitation, right, for you to come to know Him, to be a child of God in His kingdom, or to return to Him, it's also that God receives the glory. Not like, wow, look at how great you are. It's a wonderful thing what you can do when you come to the Lord. But look at what God is able to do through you now. And you can magnify his name so that he receives that preeminence. So if you want to join the body of Christ, and by the way, if you don't, it's, you're, you're making an eternal choice. But if you want to be saved from your sins, God is the almighty God who is powerful enough to take all your sins, wash them away through the blood of his beloved son. What a great invitation. That's a gift. That's why it's good news. You can have that. Brethren, I pray that if you want to return to the Lord and maybe you've been here all services, all for a number of years, but you're not walking with him, by all means, if you want us to pray for you, we'll be happy to do it. Yes, it would be public. And yes, it may even be embarrassing, but by all means, we're not here to embarrass you. We're here to, to love you, to help you as your brethren to return to the Lord. And then we can all give glory to God for what he has done. That's the invitation for you. If you need to be baptized into Christ or to come to him right now, why don't you do so? It's together we stand and sing this song.